a ghost. Welcome to the Crooks and Creeps podcast. Sorry, that was beautiful. <laughs> um, I am Crooks. Sorry, I almost forgot who I was. We took a little bit of a break and my brain hurts. I don't remember who I am anymore. Yeah, so we recorded like a month's worth of episodes in about two weeks and then we just didn't record again until we were out of episodes <laughs> because we're adults and life be like that our life is rough but it's fine but it's fine it's fine i literally refer to myself as crooks at the end of one episode so it's it's all good we never know who we are wait when did you do that i don't uh, remember which I think episode when we ended three i was like crooks out and you were like what but I, and I was like creeps out crooks and creeps out and then when I edited it I changed it so that it just said crooks and creeps out so that I didn't sound stupid I love that <laughs> look the behind the scenes content <laughs> is extravagant and that's why you need to subscribe to our Patreon look how smooth that was Patreon <laughs> that was smooth I was actually I made a note in my notes to mention all of our socials again because we haven't in a couple episodes but you beat me to it we shared the well, brain cell. I didn't really, I didn't really beat you to it. I just decided to plug the money making thing in so they could get exclu- exclusive content. But I don't know any of the other socials like by heart yet, um, because all I That's can okay. remember is mine, my personal. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, we're supposed to have a social like content creator manager and he just has decided that he doesn't want to help us with it so it's fine you know it's fine it's not like we're paying him or anything we're not even getting paid what do you mean wait you guys are getting paid how i just think it's funny (laughs) how he was really excited to do it and now he's like "Uh, you're funny goodbye ugh it's fine. And now he hasn't even listened to any of them. He never will. <laughs> uh, it's okay. He never My will. wife listens, and that's enough support for both of us. Look, I love the double sport. You don't understand. It has literally saved my life. Well, it's made it easier, oh, for sure. So, guess what? Well, I'm, I'm getting ready to stuff my face. That's why this is relevant. It's not relevant to anything that you said. But guess what? It's okay. What? I'm down 30 pounds since uh, December 15th. 30 pounds of fat. I gained two pounds Woo-hoo! of muscle and lost 30 pounds of fat. Hell so yeah. Hyped. So proud of you. That's amazing. Like Thanks. for real. So how was your, how was your Christmas massage? Oh my God. Oh my God. I told my husband the best hour of my life mm-hmm. it was literally Good. amazing I feel like a brand new That's person awesome. but he did say Good. that he needed that for a while yeah I mean it was great he just focused I asked him just to focus on like my shoulders my neck my back my lower back and he did that for the entire 60 minutes. 
I feel like I can do jumping jacks and cartwheels. Um, but he did say... Oh, that's awesome. That he... So do you want to go to the gym with me tomorrow night? <laughs> I mean, I can. <laughs> dead silence. Um... Sorry, one second. Um, mm -hmm. but I, uh, sorry, but it was really great. I loved it. It was amazing. Um, and he did say though, he noticed that I was, um, struggling. Like my, um, my back is messed up pretty much. And that he thinks that I should go to, to the chiropractor. And then, like, if I need mm -hmm. to do a massage, then he'd be fine with, like, doing, like, you know, keeping it up, like, upkeep massage. He said, but he's like, you should probably go to a chiropractor. You've got a lot of problems in your hips and your neck. And that's why you're problems. struggling. <laughs> I was like, I know I do. Yeah, yeah they are. Um... problematic. I love, I love my chiropractor because his straight up, he'll be like, well, I'm going to adjust this, but I also have to adjust this, 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 and this because it's a chain. And if I don't, you're going to be back out of place by next week. So if you go in and you're like, oh, my shoulder's hurting. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to fix that. But I also have to pop, you know, your ribs and your hips and your neck because everything is a chain. Your skeleton is all connected. So like it has to be done. But if you don't want me to, I won't. Like, my neck, my shoulder bothers me a lot, and I only have him pop my neck if I want him to adjust my shoulder. If I'm having him adjust, like, my hips, I don't have him touch my neck because it scares me. He's never hurt me, but it scares me. He's really cool. That's fair. I like my chiropractor a lot. Well, I think that my masseuse goes to the same chiropractor as you. Because... He said Ooh, we'll that this person was very similar to how you described him to me. So I think that they may be Sweet. connected. Do you have Blue Cross and Blue Shield insurance? I do. Okay, I can tell you what your copay will be and stuff afterwards. I listen, I'm not trying to edit a lot of this episode, so they're getting a lot of this content raw because I have to be up at 3 a.m. for work, so... <laughs> It's okay. Well, it's a good thing that you have to go to bed soon because mine's going to be a little quicker than the usual ones. And oh, by that, I mean... Quick. Eh, not really. Actually... <laughs> you lied to me. I did. I forgot that I went with this one this episode and not the other one, but it's okay. I'm going to shove a you bunch of information. You Coolidge on me there. <laughs> I, I love did. her. Look, I love that woman. <laughs> She's great. So much. You don't understand. I want, I want um, white chicks redone, but I want it done a la Parent Trap, where it's just two of her and a lot of really clever camera work. Can we please... Can that happen? I need mm -hmm. someone to do that. Mm -hmm. All right, patent that. Patent that now. That is our idea. Because <laughs> I need that so bad. I need it. I need it. Okay, sorry. Um, but yeah. Uh, I need to know about your haku. 
before I start. I even made a note in my notes to be like, ask Creeps about her haiku so that she doesn't sit here and judge you for it and make fun of you saying you don't care about the cryptid side. So I was like, okay. So here we are. You know what? That's so very, very sweet of you. <laughs> do you not even have and, one? Uh, since I said I was only going to do <laughs> No, I don't. You don't even have one. Are you freaking kidding me? The one time you're going to ask, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, uh, <laughs> well, because I said I was only going to do like the first six episodes out loud and the rest of them was going to be Patreon, but I forgot that this is the sixth episode. Um, so, um, here, I'm, I'm going to Google one. This is from the Imperial Talker blog. Haikuesday. Haiku Tuesday. Haikuesday. Uh, it's close enough to what I'm talking about. Mm. So, Ode to Bigfoot Craze. In the 70s, Bigfoot was all of the rage. All right. That's it. That's your haiku. I love it. It's so simple <laughs> like my thought process <laughs> kind of like me like where we're recording and I have like you in my head and I'm hearing myself like play back I'm having to stop a lot because I keep wanting to hear myself speak so my speech is like super delayed I sound really <laughs> drunk right now because mm -hmm. I'm trying to focus on like See, I'm doing it right now. I'm trying to focus on speaking words out of my mouth. But at the same time, I'm like, I need to hear myself so I can make sure I'm saying the right things. And we love it. Yeah, you're trying to hear yourself like outside of your yeah, headset. Yeah, and it kind of sucks. Not going to lie. It, it's a little same. It's a little hard to do, but it's okay. Um, today, what I have for you is a person who was at one point dubbed the Angel of Death. And his name is Donald Harvey. Oh, I know this one. Like, not a lot, but like, uh -huh. I know of it. Okay. Tell me what you know about Donald. He was, I think it was in the 70s or the 80s because they had a hard time tracking him. He went into hospitals and, or, or like hospices. And he basically killed people with drugs at the hospital because he was a nurse and they didn't know what he was doing and he would do it until he like got in trouble for it and then he would go to a different hospital but the hospitals wouldn't fire him because they didn't know of his previous track record and because at the time there was some kind of thing with the unions and the hospitals or something where if they fired nurses the hospitals got in trouble mm -hmm. or something it was a whole legal thing yeah so yeah, that's, that's pretty I mean. much it. So, um, that's my episode, so you go on. Sorry. No, it's okay. So no, it's okay. Well, you're supposed to know a lot about him, because unfortunately, where he is from, Kentucky, a lot of people know about him. So it's just like, you know. I didn't know he was from Kentucky, actually. I thought he well, was British. Well, let's get into it then. So, Donald Harvey was born originally in Hamilton, Ohio. And his birthday is April 15th, 1952. So, he's born forever oh and a day ago. 
And he was also the oldest <laughs> of three different children born to his parents, Ray and Goldie Harvey. Now, even though he was born in Ohio, he decided that, well, not he, but his parents decided that they're going to trek on down to the tiny Appalachian town of Boonville, Kentucky. And this is where shit starts hitting the fan, of course. So, Ray and Goldie, they mm -hmm. wanted to be tobacco farmers, and unfortunately, they were struggling at doing this, but they were also very committed members of a local Baptist church, and, you know, things were happening, uh, money was not being made, things were working through here, and unfortunately, from the ages of 5 to 18, Harvey was experiencing being sexually molested by both his uncle and a neighbor. And it never Jesus came Christ. to light that this was happening to poor Harvey until he told his sister, but she only knew about them after all of the abuse had ended. So basically after he was 18 years old. So Harvey struggled with this right. for 13 years. And... This is part of the reason why, unfortunately, he dropped out of school in the ninth grade, but he eventually earned a correspondence school GED in 1968. I'm sorry, wait a minute. He became a nurse with a GED? Well, good thing you get to learn about it later. Um... No, not really. I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but he did end up getting his GED after dropping out of school, which is okay. great. A great opportunity for people who have no other choice. Um, so, you know. Well, it's like, I mean, my wife was homeschooled, mm -hmm. but to apply for some of the positions she's applied for, she had to go back and get her GED because some companies won't accept a homeschool certificate. Right. So there's a lot of reasons right. to get a GED. So, now we're kind of getting into his crime line a little bit. Um, we're going to discuss something he did and the result of that. I which is, he got arrested for burglary in March of 90, or 1971. So, he was 19 years old. He was, you know, dropped out of school. Typical dropped out of school, teenage boy, you know, going through being molested still. Not at this point, but while he was dropping out of school. So, you know, a lot of trauma, a lot of pimped up rage, a lot of everything going on at once in him. And after he did this burglary, he then decided he was going to enlist in the United States Air Force to try and get himself situated back up. But, of course, with all that trauma and a lot of things unresolved... Unfortunately, he found himself discharged after nine months due to him attempting suicide twice and failing. But the thing is, the United States Air Force decided that they wanted to deem these as nervous breakdowns. Well, yeah, because anything else, he'd probably mm. get um, a less than honorable or a dishonorable and also, wasn't this around the the Vietnam War? Didn't we just It'd need be, bodies? Yeah, around the 70s, so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, army sketch. You're telling me. So, 
Another reason why he ended up trying to commit suicide was that he was dealing with his own sexuality. Of course, he had been molested for the last 13 years of his life, and unfortunately, that made a big impact into him. He was trying to be a straight Christian boy, because he was raised up to be like, be like that. He was also being molested and, you know, sexually abused, but he found himself, even after that, realizing that he was homosexual. You know, he was gay. And he really struggled mm -hmm. with that. And in the Air Force, he really struggled with that. And that is one of the reasons why he also attempted to commit suicide, um, is that he was struggling with his sexuality. Right, especially being in such a macho and toxically masculinity and... Um what is it, internalized homophobic environment yeah. like the military. I could see that, setting a bunch yeah. of stuff into motion. All right. So let's get into how he infiltrated hospitals. So Harvey began working in hospitals around the age of 18, and his first job in the hospital setting was as an orderly. And he was an orderly at a hospital in London, Kentucky, called Marymount hospital or Marymount hospital London sucks <laughs> I hate yeah. London <laughs> me too <laughs> now listen 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 they don't know I'm going to let them know I was just recently mm. in London for a couple days my wife's license plate was stolen off of the back of her car the first <laughs> night she was there and none of their roads are marked correctly, and they don't, like, have street lights in their town. So you'll go to turn onto a road, but you can't really see the road because the store lights are all lit up, and everybody's headlights are all lit up, but everything else is just fucking yeah. black. And then I, um, I turned left at a, at a stoplight, and there was no don't turn left arrow. And I turned into this, this, this this area only to see that there were three lanes of turn arrows painted on it which means it was a one-way street and I could have killed myself or somebody else because I couldn't fucking see it and there was no signage and uh listen I went to Texas Roadhouse to try to get dinner and I went to get a table and my wife wasn't with me yet and I was like hey can I get a table for two please and she was like is the other member of your party with you knowing damn well that I have walked up there by myself number one so I was like, well, no. She's like, well, when your party gets here, we can see you. Okay, you're not busy. You don't have a weight. There's no reason to do that. If you do have a weight, you take my name down. And um, also, it doesn't matter if I'm a party of two or a party of one. You're still going to stick me in a booth that seats up to four fucking people. Anyway. I don't either. Um, I had a training in there this past year in London. It was two days. So I had to drive like all the way down there, stay there from like eight until four and then drive back <laughs> both days. And let me tell you, every time I entered the city limits of that place, I literally thought I was going to die. I, I yeah. wished mm -hmm. I was strapped up. <laughs> I wished I was glocked up mm -hmm. in London. Mm -hmm. Um, cause it's rough. 
it's rough, buddy. It's up there. It's past. Yeah, Russell Russell County and all. I almost feel like it's area. worse than Louisville at this point. Um, but that's me. Yeah, it really is though because it's less. Louisville's bad because it's like a metropolitan city. Right. London's bad. Just right. Because exactly. It's bad. Like that's that's it. You <laughs> get what you expect from Louisville. You don't get what you expect right. from London, Kentucky. <laughs> right. You think it's going to be like, a, oh, it's a little hometown. You know, it's, it's going to be like Danville or Lancaster or Lawrenceburg. It's just going to be a little town and, or maybe like Lexington, maybe kind of a city, but not bad. But no, no, no. Everybody there hates everything, including their own lives. And it's a miserable experience. <laughs> it's the worst, actually. Um, But yeah, so... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel bad for people who live in London who might be listening to this and being like, oh, eh, uh, you, you just don't know. It's like, oh, it's on. <laughs> oh, it's on. They're going to be like, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Kind of like how we are about here. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> like, it's, it's low key, not that great, but it's fine. It's fine. We've lived here our whole life. We can say that. <laughs> um, anyway, uh-huh. Harvey. Okay. So Donald ended up working in this hospital, and this is where he began really digging into his crime line. And over a 10-month period of working here, he, you know, he confessed to killing over at least a dozen different patients. And he even goes on to explain that his second victim he ever killed was in the same room as another person, Danny George, who was a 12-year-old child. So he was killing these people regardless of whomever was in this room. Um, He also was trying to save his own blood, though. He was very insistent on saying that he killed people purely out of being, like, empathetic. And he tried killing people who were terminally ill as if you know Mm -hmm. as if that was any better you know you're still killing someone um it's not like they had it wasn't like assisted suicide they hadn't asked for it he just decided that he was going to quote-unquote put them out of right like he was thinking he was doing something merciful but at the same time with other different um recordings and interviews he also said I killed people because I was angry at them. And, you know, that doesn't correlate. You can't be merciful and want to kill people and then be angry at them. Why would you be angry at a person dying for from cancer? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, so, you know, it's weird. And the unusual thing is, for serial killer... He really didn't have any specific targets. He was really looking for pretty much any person that fit his criteria for that night. Men, women, doesn't matter. Ages, whatever. Races, ethnicities, backgrounds. He didn't give a shit. He just wanted to make sure that he got a hold of someone. But where he was working in the hospital... And how he was doing things, he always made sure that every patient had one thing in common to make him less trackable, less noticeable killing these people. And that were, they were all cardiac unit patients. (laughs) 
I didn't know if you had anything to say there. Mm, no, I mean, I didn't know that. I didn't know. But... Well, I thought that was crazy when I first read that because I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, you want them to all have a similar reason why they're in the hospital and, you know, why they might die is because of their, you know, the the heart, duh. <laughs> like, that makes sense, you know? Um, I just thought it was weird. Right, but how was he killing them? Do you just... I have a whole list of things. Because I know you can um, do, like, Mm -hmm. air embolists. Like, just inject air into the IV unit, and if it gets to the heart, Mm -hmm. it'll kill them. But... Well, Donald Harvey... There's there's a lot of ways to trigger the symptoms of a heart attack, but I feel like... I feel like in the 70s, 12 patients in one unit is a lot to go unsuspicious. Well, this is why he was so hard to catch. Um, Serial killers, they typically have a modus operandi. They usually have something that's like their signature thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, Ted Bundy, he loved tying up his victims with rope. And, you know, killing them and stabbing them. Um, you know, uh, John Wayne Gacy, they, he had similar things as well. Jeffrey Dahmer, certain kind of knife. Um, but Donald Harvey didn't have that. He didn't have anything that was exactly suited to him. Instead, he used a bunch of various methods to kill his patients. Well, victims, not patients, but to kill his victims. And here's a list of them that I have. And I even kind of put them in alphabetical order because I'm that bitch. Okay. Arsenic. I'm so proud of you. Cyanide. Fluid tainted with hepatitis B and or HIV. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm sorry. Insulin. The lack of or the giving of insertion of a coat hanger into a catheter that if that caused abdominal punctures that led to peritonitis (laughs) to kill them. Um, (laughs) You could just fucking inject something in the catheter. It would cause an internal infection. You don't have to stick a coat (laughs) hanger up there. Come on now. Demented. Um, Morphine turning off ventilators, you know, just just going in there and pulling the plug, mm-hmm. and suffocation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, he really enjoyed it. And his... F- no, I feel like suffocation is the least medically tactful of right? all of those. I think that at that point was, you know, for desperately wanting to kill them. Like, nothing else was working. So he was like, I'll just do it with myself, you know. So was he, was he trying to use different ways, like, to cover his tracks? Or was he just like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if. Like, was he mad scientisting this? Or was he, like, finessing the cops? Um, I think you can kind of see it from both ways. Like, of course he worked with these chemicals and things often. Um, and you, back in the 70s, you can get arsenic, cyanide, all that, you know, pretty simple and easily. I think he just wanted to find the quickest way 
to end someone's life. And that's why it might have taken him a few times to try different things. Or maybe he was, like you said, my mad scientist this and, like, testing everything to see what method was most effective, quickest. Well, did he end up with one that he stuck with? So, his most favorite way to, and I was going to this anyway, his most favorite way to kill people were um, cyanide and arsenic. And he loved doing this by putting it in food or doing injections directly. And with, yes. Really? I mean, this is the most basic mad housewife from the fucking 1920s (laughs) on move. This is real... I'm real unimpressed with him being a nurse and, and choosing those two, to be Well, honest. obviously, the co-hanger and the catheter wasn't his favorite. So, you know. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. I am demented. Sorry. Um, but the majority of his crimes took place in the Marymount, the Cincinnati... Wow. What was that word? Cincinnati um, VA Medical Hospital and Cincinnati Drake Memorial Hospital. So, Ohio or London, pretty much, is where he was. And, get this. This is where I'm thinking that he was really into the mad science-y thing of it. Because at various times, he also was working as an orderly for an autopsy assistant. So you're telling me he kills someone. Next day he gets assigned to be an orderly for autopsy. And he's like looking at what this person the, he's killing. Okay, so what? either either the hospitals didn't want him on the floor with live patients anymore mm-hmm. and moved him or he wanted autopsy because um kind of like Dahmer's fascination right. with dead animals. He wants to Isn't see the effects. One of the markers for sociopathy. Um, wanting to see, like, it can be either sociopathy or s- my brain. Psychopathy. It can be either of those, um, but it's leaning more toward being indication of, like, a sociopath than it is a psychopath. Um, cause you want to see how things work. Honestly, I don't really know the difference. I just know that the markers are, are like fascination and dead animals, fire yeah. and wetting the bed. So, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. Which, um, two of those are also indications of childhood trauma, which, you know, that creates serial killers. Um, so yeah, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> my brain hurts. <laughs> I like how you've said that every Look, episode, except the listeners. Because I don't have to do work. I'm sorry. So if you guys like crooks and you ever want to make her brain not hurt, email us your listener subs. Yes, please. <laughs> Give me all the subs. <laughs> Give me all of them. Um, so I'm sorry. I have a lot of saliva being produced right now. So you're just going to have to give me a second. Harvey also didn't limit his victims to being helpless hospital patients. Um, One of his suspected lovers and his roommate, his name was Carl. He was suspected of him um, cheating on him. So he poisoned him. 
um, with arsenic. <laughs> See? Man, yeah. And he was like, I don't want you to leave the apartment, so I'm going to poison you. But in the act of that, he also poisoned two of his neighbors, one of them being named um, Diane Alexander, who, um, making her sick. And he did this by, you know, putting hepatitis in her drink. And he killed his other neighbor, who is Helen Metzger. And he had put arsenic in a pie that he baked for her, which is really sad. (laughs) Oh, he also killed his lover. It is sad, but it makes me think of a bad Right? I know, right? But he also killed his lover's um, father with arsenic as well. So, like, you know, I'm telling you, he is dramatic. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But anyway, he kept his crimes away for about 17 years, and um, he ended up slipping in March of 1987. There was an autopsy that was being performed on a man named John Powell, and he had died pretty abruptly after spending several months on life support because he had a car accident. And when he was having this autopsy done, the toxicology report came back and said, yo, he's got a ton of cyanide in his system. Something is going on. And of course, Mm -hmm. things ended up happening and Donald ended up being accused and a person of interest because, duh. And, right, um, investigators learned then that he was randomly forced to resign from the VA hospital. But that was because he was stealing body parts for occult rituals. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? He was caught stealing the body parts of dead army veterans to use on occult rituals. Well, you know what? Boys will be boys. boys. Um, and when they eventually brought him in for questioning, he was like, yeah, um, I killed him. I euthanized him with cyanide because he was like, I'm not killing these people. I'm just helping them cross over. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you can steal their arms and legs for some weird ritual to summon the devil. Yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs> you know, you could probably just hop down to your local butcher shop and be like, yo, you got a goat carcass mm-hmm. back there? <laughs> You would think. And it would be... It would be legal. Weird, but mm-hmm. legal. <laughs> so, there is a person named... Sorry. Pat Menarson. Okay? He's an anchor at the Cincinnati station WCPO-TV. And when this was all breaking, he was really interested in Donald Donald Harvey. And he was coming over here trying to figure out how can someone go two decades almost killing people and never had been killing people before and suddenly just like slip up. So during this report on the night of Harvey's arrest, he was asking on air if there was any other deaths. And unfortunately, it soon came to light that several nurses who worked at the Drake Hospital in Cincinnati, you know, where he worked at before, um, that they were made to keep quiet about that. They knew he was killing people and that they were made to keep quiet for some reason. Not really sure why, but they were ordered to. 
And they thinking that they were not wanting to have the chance of being acquitted. They didn't want that. So they contacted Menarson, okay, and told him all of the different evidence that there was at least 10 people killed at the Drake Hospital spilling everything because they were guilty. They felt guilty about it. So over like mm-hmm. a half hour special, this, this, you know, TV anchor was amassing a ton of evidence um, to detail more and more and more and more of a report on at least 24 different murders in a four-year period. And that he had talked about how um, the reason why he was made to stay under the radar is because of the part of the area he worked in at Drake's, like that hospital, that's where people weren't necessarily expected to make it. So, obviously, it would make sense that all of these deaths were happening, and even though these nurses were made to keep quiet, not really say anything about it, they could have been, you know, scared to get killed by this person. They didn't know what was going on with it, so, yeah, uh, it was pretty, pretty wild. Let's go into the court cases. Um... Harvey's lawyer was court appointed. His name was Bill Wallen, and he was briefed a little bit about Pat Menarson's, you know, the TV anchor, his findings and things. Pause. Wait, pause. You said his his attorney is yeah. court appointed, which means that said, this man nah, I'm good. did not have enough money to pay for a lawyer. He took a yeah. public attorney. Neat. Cool. He's, he was a nurse. Well, yeah. <laughs> he was too busy buying pills to kill I mean, people. Like, did he really have to buy them, though? He worked at a hospital. That's he true. I don't know what he was doing. Man, he was doing this at home, too. So I don't know. All I know is that... He fucked up once yeah, and couldn't he's recover. Pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, his attorney was talking with uh, Pat Menarson and was like, Yo, is this... Is this, like, what's all this evidence? And he took all that evidence that was accumulated by Pat Menarson, took it back to Donald, and was like, um, tell me about this. And Harvey straight up is like, actually, I estimate I killed about 70 (laughs) instead of 24. So everyone's Uh like, um, excuse you. (laughs) Um, you've killed 70 people. And they're like, yes. Um, unfortunately... You know, that meant, at that time, he could receive the death penalty. And in a bid to save poor Donald Harvey's life. Yes. I'm saying that sarcastically. But in a bid to save his life. I was like, unfortunately. In a bid to save his life, he offered the prosecutors a plea bargain that if they managed to get the death penalty taken off the table for Donald, that he would accept a life sentence and confess all of the murders. Right? I bet he would. So, of course, they agreed. And, of course, they had a pretty much a marathon of investigations and, and questionings and interviews and stuff. And he only admitted to killing the 24 people. Mm-mm. Out of the 70, he originally said. Right. That was smart. <laughs> so, on... In August of 1987, 
Donald Harvey pled guilty to 24 counts of first-degree murder, and in accordance with the plea agreement, he was sent to three concurrent terms of life in prison. So, <laughs> now wait. Did he only admit to the 24 after getting the plea deal, or could they only prosecute the 24 after they getting admitted. the plea deal? Because I know sometimes there's like statute of limitations. He only admitted to the 24, so therefore they can only they can only prosecute for the 24. Yeah, mm. which is ugh. They, they, they made a bad but deal, but he outsmarted them with his uh, GED. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> no, the plea agreement. Right. You know, that allowed prosecutors to seek the death penalty if more murders also came to light, though, too. But, like, he was never going mm-hmm. to admit to that. You know, like, he obviously wanted to mm-hmm. keep steady. So, you know, he pled guilty in Laurel County, Kentucky, in the circuit court to killing nine patients in Marymount in the 70s. Along with that, after that, he was then sentenced to another 20 years. Um, plus life in prison. And that was to run concurrently with the Ohio sentence. So ultimately, he ended up pleading guilty to 37 out of the 70 murders that he said. Um, And he eventually became incarcerated in Ohio prison system in October 26, 1987. Now, this is where the justice is. He was in prison from October 27th, 1987 until March 28th, 2017. And the reason for that is, is that authorities reported that Harvey had been found in his jail cell, severely beaten. He then died two days later on March 30th, 2017. On May 3rd, 2019, fellow inmate James Elliott was charged with aggravated murder and other charges related to the death of Donald Harvey. In September of 2019, he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison after pleading guilty to killing him. Now, this was supposed to be concurrent, but it was, um, or this was supposed to be consecutive, but it was changed to concurrent. So James Elliott will now only be eligible for parole in 2046. And that's when he turns 71 years old. And that's Donald Harvey. But I do have a name. That's interesting that he made yeah. it that long yeah. before being beaten. But I do have a name. He must yeah, have pissed I do have off. the I have the names of the forty-seven he eventually admitted to. So I wanted to kind of the the uh, forty. He eventually admitted to forty-seven. He oh, did. He did. Okay. Event, he did yeah. do thirty-seven, no, but he eventually bumped it up to forty-seven. So these are the names of the victims and their ages at their time of death. Um, so I'm just going to read those out. I'm not going to tell people why they were, but I do have all of their, um, I do have all of their, uh, their causes of death too. Um, but, and this is also, um, in order of when he killed them. So this is chronologically correct too. Okay. Logan Evans, 88. James Tyree, 69. Elizabeth Wyatt, 42. Eugene McQueen, 43. Harvey Williams, 82. 
Ben Gilbert, 81. Maude Nichols, unknown at the time of her death. William Balling, 58. Viola Reed Wren, 63. Margaret Harrison, 91. Sam Carroll, 80. Maggie Rollins, unknown at the time of death. Silas Butner, 62. John V. Combs, 68. Milton Bryant Sasser, 91. Helen Metzger, 63. Henry Howler, 82. That's the dad of the boyfriend. Um, Howard Vetter, unknown at the time of death. Hiram Prophet, unknown at the time of death. James Peluso, 65. Edward Wilson, unknown at the time of death. Nathaniel J. Watson, 65. Leon Nelson, 64. Virgil Weddle, 81. Lawrence Bernston, unknown at the time of death. Doris Nally, 65. Willie Johnson, unknown at the time of death. Edward Scrabisis, 63. Robert Crockett, 80. Donald Barney, 91. James T. Woods, 65. Ernest C. Fry, 85. Milton Cantor, 85. Roger Evans, 74. Claiborne Kendrick, unknown at the time of death. Albert Buemon, 69. William Collins, 85. Henry Cody, 78. Mose Thompson, 65. Otis Day, 72. Cleo Fish, 67. Leo Parker, 47. Margaret Cuckrow, 80. Stella Lemon, 60, or sorry, 76. Joseph M. Pike, 68. Hilda Lates, 82. And John W. Powell, unknown at the time of death. All 47. And the unknown at the time of death, that is usually they lost their birth certificate, so they don't know how old they are, or they were mm -hmm. decomposed, or um, something else happened. Mm -hmm. But usually it's where they lose their mm -hmm. birth certificate, so they don't know. And that... So, yep. Pablo, thoughts? Um, first one, a lot of those seem to be, like, in the mid-70s and higher, which, if he was working at a VA hospital, I could genuinely see someone being like, listen, I have, you know, horrible PTSD and borderline schizophrenia from mm -hmm. the stuff that I've seen in the war or whatever. Could you, in me. you know, right. assist me? But at the same time, the coat hanger on the catheter was not an assisted suicide. That was just cruel and unusual. So I don't, I don't think they all were, if any of them were, but I could see some of them being. Second thing, do you remember <laughs> when you got like face it cable and all you could watch was like Judge Judy and that one lawyer commercial where the girl turned into a yes. tiger and yes. like, the news? Okay, Coffin, Stinger, and Hughes. But uh, do you remember on the news channel every morning they would do the little the birthday? Your name would come across the screen yes. for your birthday. Why did I feel like that's what your reading was, but in a very terribly morbid oh, way? Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, he covered. But that was him. Um, I enjoyed doing him. 
I'm so glad that they're going to get an unedited version. Because I feel like they don't know what they're missing by not being patrons. I'm also stuffing my face now so you can talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's my time to talk. Okay. Um. So, by my hastily found and borrowed haiku, um, I'm sure you guessed that we're doing I Bigfoot. I love Bigfoot. Okay, but we're not actually doing Bigfoot. We're kind of doing Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot adjacent. So, I'm trying to stay around the Appalachia area um, as much as I can, except for like a couple internationals here and there, just because mm -hmm. cultural appreciation. We are in West Virginia and Western Virginia. Yes! So one of them is a state and one of them is a location within West another state. Virginia, <laughs> Mountain Mama. Oh my god. <laughs> I was at my chiropractor today and he had Sirius XM just playing like a smooth jazz playlist and I swear to god they covered Country Roads Take Me Home as smooth jazz and I You don't understand my how perfect that is. I love that. <laughs> I would be so hyped. <laughs> but uh okay. So Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Abominable Snowman, the Yeti, Government Experiment Apes, Men in Ghillie Suits, the list goes on. Of all the Bigfoot adjacent things I could have covered, today we will be discussing the Woodbugger! I love him already. <laughs> okay, so he's either Bigfoot or Bigfoot's cousin. Um, he's a large hairy humanoid that resides in the woods and is known for being a boogeyman because he is told that he carries children off into the woods if they go out and play in the woods at night. Hence, wood, boogie, wood I booger. Love that. Oh, it's like a mix of Krampus Describe and an ape. My favorite. That's a horrifying <laughs> thought. I'm so sorry. Described by described by Woodbooger Field Research, quote, Bigfoot is described in reports as a large, hairy, ape-like creature ranging between 6 to 10 feet tall, weighing in excess of 500 pounds, and covered in dark brown or dark reddish hair. Alleged witnesses have described large eyes, a pronounced brow ridge, and a large, low, excuse me, low-set forehead. The top of the head has been described as rounded and crested, similar to the sagittal crest of the male gorilla. Bigfoot is commonly reported to have a strong, unpleasant smell. End quote. Well, he can't help that he can't bathe. <clears throat> this specific Sasquatch seems to... <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. I'm... I'm not as funny as you are. I'm so sorry. This specific Sasquatch seems to range along West Virginia and Western Virginia, essentially, and the mountains. Interestingly, according to Bastille the Great of Urban Legends and Cryptids, quote, the woodbooger is described as being a large bipedal creature with dark black hair covering its body and angry red eyes. It's said to closely resemble a chimpanzee, but much larger and scarier. The woodbooker gets its name from being like a boogeyman in the woods and carrying children off into the night. 
End quote. No, continue quote. One book stated they carry off children to transform them into wood boogers themselves, and they form small communities. Oh my god. Apparently the Apparently, the woodbooker cannot procreate and must spread its disease to children, like werewolves or vampires, to live on. While woodbookers are nice to children, they hate adult humans, end quote. So, let's pause for a moment, because Bigfoot is a lycanthrope is a take that I have not ever heard before. You know, me too, but I kind of want to be a woodbooker. Like, they would hate me, but I right? want to be one! I mean, like, it kind of makes sense, though, because if you think about how many places Bigfoot is cited and how much the descriptions vary, you have, you know, like, your abominable snowman, your yeti that are white, and they're suited to polar environments, then you have your typical wood Bigfoots, and then you have Bigfoot versus Sasquatch, and then you have red hair or brown hair or black hair, and if it's an infectious disease like lycanthropy, werewolves look different, Mm -hmm. vampires look different, that makes sense. Look. Why is it that during this whole exchange, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say. During this whole exchange, how come I was like, Team Jacob? No. Team Edward? No. Team Woodbooker. Oh, girl. I've got some news that you're really going to enjoy (laughs) them. I'm so excited. Please make me into your woolly mammoths. One of the uh, towns that is famous for these sightings actually had bumper stickers during the last presidential campaign that said would be the president. I need like seven. I'm going to put them all (laughs) over my car. (laughs) So, in fact, the Woodbug, as I have lovingly named him, has been on the show Finding Bigfoot episode The Beast of Gum Hill. In the episode, a man explains he was riding an ATV through a river on 4509 when the creature walked out in front of him. Yet there were very few reported sightings of the creature, so they called a town hall meeting, and it turned out that several other residents had seen the woodbooger or something resembling it while hiking, hunting, or camping, and simply not reported it for fear of being ridiculed. WOUB Public Media had an article on the mysterious cryptids of the Ohio Valley, including the Woodbooger. It's even inspired a bar and grill in Norton, Virginia. The article says, quote, Another hairy, shadowy figure called the Woodbooger has been glimpsed on game cameras in southwestern Virginia. <clears throat> Frankie Go, yeah, that's, that's his last name, Go, G-O. A Sasquatch Watch of Virginia says, quote, A newspaper article from the Old Post dated November 24, 1892, referred to a sighting of a Bigfoot-like creature. I just love that Virginia has a Sasquatch Watch. Look, that's that is the cutest name ever. Sasquatch Watch! <laughs> Unite! <laughs> Using the Urban Legends and Cryptids article again, here are a few of the reported sightings. Quote, Some interesting sightings reported include two witnesses describing seeing a large creature with matted black hair, smelled horrible, and walked with a slouch. Me too. This happened on January 5th, 2006 in the Norton area. 
One report said a huge creature growled at the reporter and their friends and then started to throw rocks at them. Mood. This happened on June 23, 2008, in the same area. Another report said in the spring of 2011, someone went with their family to go fishing by the nearby lake. They heard strange noises that they believed to be the wood booger, saying that they've never heard anything like it. End quote. And this is the part that you're going to love. I'm so excited. Tell me everything. I have a, I have a full page of tourism plugs. I'm so excited. I need to know everything. That was... Are, are you sure you're excited? That was real delayed. I expected more from you. Okay, here. Tell me it again. I have a whole page of tourism. Oh my god! Yes! We're gonna go to all of them. <laughs> oh my god, you sound like the two of on track. Oh yeah! <laughs> I mean, we could. They're not too far away. I'm always down Look, for a road trip. I don't mind to go to West Virginia. Mountain Mommy. Take me home. Country roads. <laughs> Virginia. There is a wood booger sanctuary in Flag Rock Recreation Area in Norton, Virginia. There's a huge statue of the cryptid located here. Like Statue of David, but Statue of Wood I Booger. I love it. And the sanctuary and the sanctuary hosts a wood booger festival annually around August. Now, the last couple years, the, the festival had been canceled uh, due to COVID because they used public buses to transport from, like, the lot area to the actual event area. So check out NortonVA.gov, explore parks, select Flag Rock, and then um, you should be able to find updated information closer to the fall season. Oh, my God. So we're going. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Yes, yes, we're going. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm so stoked. You have no idea. I am like, I, I want you to see the statue of him. He just looks I so friendly. I need to meet him. I know he's going to hate me, but I need to meet him like now. <laughs> so also in Virginia, we have the Wood Booger Grill in Norton, Virginia. Yes, we do. Their menu features delicious sides, like Bigfoot's potato, which comes baked and stuffed with mm. pulled pork. Challenges, like Wood Booger's Super Wood Burger, which has a southern flavor profile and can fill a Bigfoot's belly, with two 8-ounce patties. That's a pound of meat, folks. 8 and 8, 16. Fried green tomatoes, fried pickles, barbecue pork, bacon, American cheese, shredded cheese, and cheese sauce. All on the burger. They also have classic steaks, um, as well as a specialty steak, which is a 20-ounce Bigfoot Porterhouse T-bone steak. 20 ounces. Bring your friend. And if your friend is a picky eater, like some of mine, they have uh, marinated chicken breast, burgers, sandwiches, wraps, grilled cheese, soups, and other simpler flavors they even have your basic kids menu so the whole family can enjoy it now in west virginia we have moundsville m-o-u-n-d-s-ville um, and they will be hosting the annual women's para retreat and conference 
That'll be June 23rd to 25th of 2023. They'll have workshops and group discussions with several paraprofessionals. And on Sunday, it's all about psychics and mediums. But Sunday and psychics was alliteration, so that's what I put in here. <clears throat> no discrimination in mediums. Vendors and food will be there as well. Uh, the website is www.womenspararetreat.com. And it will have more information on tickets and packages, but options include the conference, daytime tours of West Virginia Penitentiary, investigations of West Virginia Penitentiary, the National Museum of the Paranormal, tours of the Ross House, and you can even stay in the Ross House if you book far enough ahead of time, and um, the antique store near the Ross House. Can we go to all of it? Just like a whole week. Because I just want to go do everything, like, all at once. <laughs> well, it's the 23rd to the 25th, but we can go for those days. Maybe. <laughs> West Not Virginia Sorry. has a geocaching event. You done? Take me home? Yes, I'm done. Sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Are you done? I can't stop it. It just <laughs> spills out of me. <laughs> okay, so West Virginia has a geocaching event known as the Wood Booger Geo Trail, and it is held each September. The event challenges participants to find caches hidden in Norton's Flag Rock Recreation Area and surrounding communities. And if you're lucky, you might even spot a Wood Booger on the way. I kind of hope I do. West Sorry. Virginia. Right? That that would be the only reason to go. So West Virginia hosts a Bigfoot festival June 23rd and 24th of 2023. So if you are interested in the Women's Para Retreat and Conference, that's the same weekend. So you have mm -hmm. to choose one or the other. It's Bigfoot Festival or the Para Retreat. Or you could do um, a day at each because they're both in West Virginia. So the Bigfoot Festival is held in downtown Sutton, and the Para Retreat is held in Moundsville. So the Bigfoot Festival is held by the Bigfoot Museum. Yes, check it out if you're in the area. The Bigfoot oh Museum. Um, the festival will feature a symposium, researchers, speakers, uh, speaker opportunities, vendors, vendor opportunities, food, art activities, competitions, games, and live music. Which, honestly, it sounds like a lot of fun. And on their website, they, um, it's their, like, in their mission statement that they dream of becoming the biggest Bigfoot event in the nation. So let's make that happen, creeps and criminals. I would and love that. And speaking of art, we've had a few new people join our Facebook page. Um, I believe some of them might be crafters, so check out the craft pin. It's pinned at the top of the group. And speaking of our group, Facebook and Patreons are Crooks and Creeps. Patreon tiers are $1, 5 and $10. Twitter is Crooks in Creeps, the letter N. Email is crooksandcreeps at gmail.com. You can submit listener submissions. You can submit corrections. Tell us how wrong we are about our research or how we pronounce something. Or give us leads into a cryptid or crime that you would like to hear reported. That's 
That's it. That's that's the it. Angel of Death and the Woodpecker. Wow. wow. That was a good episode. Short and sweet, though. It was only an hour and three minutes long. Well, on our side. That was a good one, though. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to end this episode. I'm really sing-songy today. You're really what today? Did you have a stroke? Sing-songy. Oh. Like, la da dee la da do, la da dum Mama made me mash my M&M's. Stop it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't. Okay. <clears throat> Exclusive contact only on Patreon. Creeps out. Goodbye! Thanks. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot to stop recording! No, I did. <laughs>